The following message was brought to you by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. This message was recorded during our regular Sunday morning worship service. While Pastor Matt is away on the men's retreat, it's a pleasure to have one of our elders, Mike Jones, deliver the Word of God today. And with Thanksgiving coming up, Mike talks about giving thanks, referencing the story of the ten lepers in Luke 17. Let's join Mike now as he delivers the Word of God. Well, uh, Thanksgiving is almost here, uh, or is it Christmas? Uh, The Christmas marketing starts earlier every year, and it sort of drowns out Thanksgiving. Uh, You've probably already heard that some of the major retailers this year are going to be open on Thanksgiving Day, and uh, just to get people to shop for Christmas. And then on Thanksgiving morning, the newspapers are chocked full of circulars and ads so that on Thanksgiving Day, we can go through the circulars and plan strategically our shopping for the next day, which is uh, Black Friday. And uh, so Thanksgiving continues to get drowned out. And so you may be one of those families where you get the circulars and uh, while the meal's being prepared and whatever, you look through this and uh, plan out your shopping for uh, the next day. Unless, of course, you're a football fan and and you just can't wait to see uh, the Dallas Cowboys uh, have the opposing team for lunch. Okay, I didn't get it. <clears throat> but then the big moment comes and the dinner is set, the table's prepared, all the food is ready to go, and uh, the relatives have arrived, and now it's time for the feed, and somebody has to pray, and so they turn to the patriarch of the family, and, and uh, knowing that everybody's in a hurry to eat, They just say some quick prayer, thanking God for their manifold blessings, and then it's time to eat. Or maybe you've heard the story of young Susie. That moment had come, and it was time to pray, and the mother turned to young Susie and said, Susie, why don't you give uh, thanks for the meal? She looked at her mother and says, I wouldn't know what to say. And the mother said, well, why don't you just pray like you hear Mommy pray? And so she bowed her head and said, Dear God, why on earth did I invite all these people to dinner? But I propose this morning that we try to make a deliberate effort over the next few weeks that we have to uh, develop an attitude of gratitude, to find ways to give thanks to God and to others for uh, uh, the impact that they've had on our lives or what God has done in our lives. And to help us do that this morning, I'd like us to look at Jesus, what Jesus thinks about giving thanks from Luke chapter 17. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17, and you can follow along there. Luke chapter 17, and we're starting at verse 11. It says, And when it came about, and it came about rather, while he was on the way to Jerusalem, that he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem, and he's uh, traveling along the Transjordan. There was a long history of racial tension between the Samaritans and the Jews, and it was often dangerous for Jews to travel directly from Jerusalem through Samaria to get to where they were going, perhaps up to Galilee. And... Very often, uh, Jews traveling this way could be beaten or robbed or even killed. And so there was a lot of tension, and it was safer to travel 
around Samaria, and so they would, uh, whether you're going north or south, they would cross the Jordan River, travel up or down till they got past Samaria, and then re-entered going back across uh, the river. Why was there so much tension between the Samaritans and the Jews? Well, back in about 721 B.C., Assyria had sacked the northern kingdom of Israel, and many of those Israelites uh, were transported and taken captive to to Assyria. Some of the Syrians moved back down into the area, which is at this time in the gospel, Samaria, and they had populated the the land, uh, and during the course of several hundred years, they had intermarried with the Jewish people who were there, and so over time, this new race had been created called the Samaritans. They were half Jew and half half, uh, Syrians, and so, or Assyrians. And so there was this animosity and hatred between the two groups. So most Jews traveling up and down would go around, but not always, because on a couple of occasions, Jesus traveled right through Samaria. And uh, you may be able to see it on the map. I'm not sure. When you're doing this on the computer, you're never too sure what it's going to look like. But you'll remember, if you look at the word Samaria and you just drop down to the right, you'll see a town called Sychar, and that's where Jesus met the woman at the well. And that's where uh, they had a discussion, and Jesus talked about him being the living water. He said, I would give you uh, this water that uh, you wouldn't have to draw any more living water. And, well, that's where that took place. And Jesus wanted others to know that uh, the gospel was going to be available to all people. And so he gave his disciples a firsthand look at that as the gospel was presented to people outside of the Jewish race. So... As Jesus is traveling, he comes to a village and he encounters these ten men who were lepers, or men who had the disease of leprosy. And they knew who Jesus was. They must have heard about his um, healings, how he had cured and healed other people. And these men are desperate for a healing. And so we want to look at the plight of the lepers Throughout history, a few diseases have been as dreaded as the disease of leprosy. It was so common in ancient times that back in the book of Leviticus, God had detailed in chapters 13 and 14 uh, all the extensive instructions that the people would need to control and take care of this disease, mainly contain it. And so in the Bible, there were two principal forms of leprosy. One was called Lepromatous, it's a hard one to get out, and the other one was called tuberculoid. And lepromatous was the type of disease that it started out as a boil or a skin a scab, and it could just spread across the body. And it started out as a little patch, and it could spread. Eventually, I hope you can see that. spongy tumors would form on the skin and you can see this lady's hands are sort of deformed and so the disease not only ate away at the skin it also ate away at the person internally and their bones would start to disintegrate and this would cause uh, deformity of the hands or the joints or their feet would become kind of gnarled and club feet and I could have put up some really gross looking forms of Um, leprosy. This is sort of a mild case, but it just gives you the idea of what they went through. And so these tumors would grow and uh, 
Over a course of 10 to 20 years, it could actually take a person's life. So the lepers that come to Jesus knew their plight. Their existence was really nothing more than a living death. And um, in Leviticus 13, it says here that um, one of the uh, instructions were, as for the leper who has the infection, his clothes shall be torn and the hair on his head shall be uncovered. And he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean all the days during which he has the infection. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Sorry, I couldn't read over the... uh, And uh, his dwelling should be outside. So these people not only had this infection, but they were cut off from the community. They wouldn't be coming to the Thanksgiving dinner. They wouldn't have been invited. In fact, the only community the leopards had were each other. And that's why these ten men are together. That was their family. There was no known cure for leprosy in Bible times. In fact, it was commonly understood that only God could heal leprosy. Back in 2 Kings, you might remember the story of a general named Naaman. And he was from Aram or Syria. And he had the disease of leprosy. And the housekeeper said, only if, if my master had only could meet the one of the prophets of Israel, surely he could heal him. Well, the king of Aram wrote a letter to the king of Israel and sent uh, Naaman down to the king with this letter asking the king to heal him. And when the king read the letter, it says, when the king read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, am I God to kill and make alive? Even the king understood that It was commonly understood that only God could heal this disease. And this is crucial to Jesus' um, teaching at this time to prove that he was the Christ. The stakes are pretty high for these ten men because Jesus is their only hope. Uh, Leprosy also serves as an illustration of uh, sin in the Bible. Uh, We have this disease called sin like leprosy, it cut us off from God. We were without hope. We uh, were totally dependent on God to reverse our sin problem. It says that uh, in Ephesians, remember that you were uh, at time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. We were spiritual lepers at one time. But through the blood of Christ, his sacrifice on the cross, he cleansed us and he made us whole. Jesus was our only hope. And it says in Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were uh, once off have been, excuse me, now in Christ Jesus, you who were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Just as those lepers were separated from the community and cut off, we too were cut off from God and separated from Christ. But through the blood of Christ and a sacrifice on the cross, we were made whole. We were cleansed. And so the plight of the lepers was that they needed an intervention of God to reverse their situation and to change things. And so that leads us to the plea of the lepers. In verse 13 it says, And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Notice they raised their voices. 
Of course, they were a little off at a distance. They had this uh, communicable disease that they wouldn't wish on their worst enemy. And so they're off at a distance and they raise their voice. But I think it was more than the fact that they were separated by distance. These were desperate men. This was a desperate plea for help. And sometimes when we read the Bible, we read a verse like this and, you know, we're reading and the, and the lepers say, Jesus, have mercy on us. And we don't really catch the intensity of what they're crying out for. These men are dead men walking. They have no hope. And try to get the scene here. These men don't have any other options for a cure. Jesus is in, in town. This is a once-in-a-lifetime encounter that they're going to have with Jesus. If Jesus doesn't heal them, they have no hope. They have nothing left. And so this crying out to Jesus is intense. They're crying out for their, life, for their very life as if their life depended on it because it did. Have mercy on us. This is the appeal of men who have nothing to leverage God with. These are men who have been stripped of their status, stripped of their prestige, stripped of their pride. Everything has been stripped away. They're totally at the mercy of God. Have you ever found yourself at a spot where you are up against the wall? Your situation is so bad. You have no way that you can bargain with God. There's nothing you can appeal to God and to change your situation. The only thing you can do is appeal to the mercy of God. I've been there. I've been in situations where I just can't fix what needs to be fixed. And like those lepers, the only thing I can say is, God, have mercy on me. And maybe you're there today. Maybe you've been there in the past. Maybe it's some infection or some disease or some financial problem. And you simply cannot fix it. And we cry out to God in mercy because God is compassionate. Tozer said, Mercy is an attribute of God which disposes God to be actively compassionate. Mercy is not a temporary mood, but an attribute of God's eternal being. Mercy never began to be, but from eternity was. So it will never cease to be. And so we can come to God knowing that his mercy will never be exhausted. Jesus said, be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. We come to a merciful God who is compassionate. We don't come to him and just hope that this uh, kind of tyrant God is going to all of a sudden change and and become merciful. He is merciful. It's his nature to be merciful. And it was mercy that made it possible for God to see our desperate situation and extend us salvation. You used to sing... uh, And those Billy Graham crusades, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. We have no other, we had no other plea before God but for Him to extend us mercy and offer us salvation. Ephesians 2 1 says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, 
and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, there's the transition, but God. Think of where we were, of what Paul has just described. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been see, you have been saved. The only plea the lepers had was an appeal to the mercy of God. And that appeal led to the provision of Jesus. It says in verse 14, When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Imagine what it must have felt like for those lepers after years of having these scabs and going through the community, crying on clean and being in these dirty, ragged clothes. All of a sudden, as they're walking and making their way to the priest, (coughs) their hands begin to change. Those deformed, gnarled hands start straightening out and the boils start to disappear and their complexion starts to clear up. And they begin looking at each other with excitement and, and, and amazement of what's taken place. It was, a, it was life-changing. And Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priests. I think there were two reasons Jesus did that. One, it was required by Levitical law. They were supposed to go and show, show themselves to the priest. And the priest had to monitor those 116 verses in the two chapters of Leviticus that dealt with this disease. And these priests acted as sort of health inspectors. And so it was up to them to inspect the person and declare them clean. And, of course, these guys would have passed with flying colors. What this act did after meeting with the priest and being declared cleansed, this gave these men a new life. These men would now be able to re-enter society. They would be able to show up for the Thanksgiving dinner. They had missed synagogue. They hadn't been able to go to church for maybe years. And for the first time in years, they're able to rejoin the community of believers and fellowship and be part of the community and go to temple and worship, be a part of the Feast of Tabernacles that they had missed and other things that they were excluded from. This gave these men a new life. And the second reason I think that Jesus did this is that because it was commonly understood that only God could heal, by those men showing themselves to the priest and declaring that Jesus had healed them, put the priest on notice that God had been in the village that day. Notice that the verse says, doesn't say that they were healed or cured. They were what? Cleansed. This was more than just a physical healing. They were cleansed. The word there, katharizo, means to be made clean, to be purified, to be free from any defilement. And Jesus provided cleansing for this, these lepers. And you know what? In the same way, he provided cleansing for us. The writer of Hebrews says, we've been sprinkled clean by the blood of Christ. We have been cleansed so that we can be rejoined. As they, these lepers were separated from the community and cut off, We were cut off from God. We were, as I read earlier, 
We were strangers and aliens. We had no hope. We had no tie in with the covenants. We had nothing. But, but Christ cleansed us and made us clean. And this enabled us to have a relationship with God. Well, that, of course, led to the praise. And I missed a verse here. First John says, but if we walk in the light as he, is in the, he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so we have this perpetual cleansing uh, provided by Jesus' blood on the, shed on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins so that we can have fellowship with God and we can have fellowship with each other. And that leads to the praise of one leper, It says, again, from Luke 17, Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face face at his feet, giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to them, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Only one of the lepers returned to give thanks to Jesus. Before he goes to the priest and shows himself to the priest or continues rejoicing with all of his friends, he returns and he prostrates himself before Christ. He falls on his face, glorifying God and giving thanks to Jesus. When somebody lays flat on the floor in praise or worship. It's a sign of total humility. This is a guy who is completely devoid of any pride. He knew he was totally dependent on God for a healing. He knows where that healing has come from. And now he's returned to glorify God and give Jesus praise. But look at the deep disappointment of Jesus at the nine who were ungrateful. The implication is that um, Jesus said, you know, where are the other nine? The only one who returned was this Samaritan, and I think by implication, the other nine must have been Jews. In other words, Jesus might have been saying, you know, the people who are most likely, or the most people who should have been here worshiping at my feet, were the other nine, but instead the tables were turned and the other nine went on their way, but it was this Samaritan who came to worship Jesus. And think back to what I was saying earlier. There was this great hostility and animosity between the Jews and the Samaritans, but now this Samaritan is on his face worshiping a Jew. But the other nine went on their way. It's interesting to know that Jesus points out that to us and teaches us that by withholding our praise, by withholding our thanks, we rob God of his glory. He said, Were there, uh, was no one found who, who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And there's an equation here between giving thanks and giving glory to God or withholding thanks and robbing God of the glory that's due his name. The other point of this is that when it comes to giving thanks, we who are Christians ought to be the ones who are out leading the the band. We ought to be out in front. Our lives ought to be 
uh, filled with gratitude, uh, especially when God has provided something special for us or delivered us from a difficult situation. And I know God answers a lot of prayers in our church, but, you know, very often we see request after request after request, but we don't see the praise and the thanks and the thanks for the answers to those prayers. You know, I I know God is working, and I know people have come through sicknesses, and God meets your needs uh, financially in some very special ways. But where's the praise? Who are we telling? Who are we sharing it with? And as Christians, we should be the ones that are uh, bubbling over with praise. And, And I know this is something that I have to work at. It doesn't come easy for me. Uh, it's easy for us when somebody asks, how are you going? We want to tell them all the bad things that are going on in our life instead of the good things that have happened. We're not, we're not counting our, our blessings as we should. I was sharing with one of the pastors a week ago that uh, when my wife started undergoing uh, uh, her cancer treatments, um, and the first treatment, we weren't covered by insurance. She was working for the school. She wasn't uh, insured under her uh, school plan. And uh, it was too expensive for me to have her on our plan. And we got caught in a situation where she needed this huge surgery, and we didn't have the money. And we had to, re- we had to go to the county and get assistance to be able to have that covered. And later on, when the enrollment period came around for me to add her on my plan at work, it was almost $350 a paycheck to have her added to my plan. And I knew we didn't have it. But I also knew we didn't have a choice. And so I went into the HR office and I signed up and I said, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it, but I got to have her on this plan. And um, around that time is when, um, well, no. Actually, so anyway, I put her on the plan and then I waited for the uh, first installment to kick in. I was waiting for my Uh, deposit to be made at the bank to see just how big of a hit this was going to appear on my paycheck. And I went online and I checked and my deposit was actually higher than what it had been previously. And I thought, well, somebody really messed something up, so now I'm going to have to go back and get that all straightened out. And before I got back from my lunch break, the executive director called and said, uh, I made a salary adjustment because of the good work that you've been doing and the uh, adjustment and the uh, extra responsibilities you've taken on, and I've made a a salary adjustment. And it was enough to cover the the insurance with a little extra. And, you know, we have these times that we have in our lives where God miraculously supplies. I was at the mercy of God. I had cried out, have mercy on me. I, I can't handle this. I, can't, I don't know. I have nowhere else to go. And God worked that all out. And we praise him and give him glory for his provision. And it's so great now that as she faces another surgery, that uh, all we have to look forward to is going in and paying that $15 copay, even though I'm paying a little extra out of my uh, check. So how do we uh, apply this to our lives, what we've, what we've learned? Somebody once said that thinking precedes thinking, and I think we really have to give some serious thought. If we don't take some time to meditate and think about God's blessings, we're not going to be likely to be too uh, prone to be giving thanks. And I think we need to uh, maybe 
decide to do some things for ourselves. Instead of maybe just saying thank you to someone, why don't you thank somebody and tag on a line as to why you're thankful for them? Maybe it's somebody that you work with, and you could just say, instead of just saying, you know, thank you for the report, say, you know what, I'm really thankful that I don't have to go calling you every time a report is due, that it's always there on time. Maybe it's just a little extra than just the quick thank you. Maybe you're in retail, and uh, instead of just saying thank you, thank you, thank you, as people go out the door, say, you know, I see you here a lot, and I'm really thankful you like to shop with us. Something just a little more than the quick thank you. Maybe you could write a, a letter of appreciation to somebody, thanking them for the impact that they, you, they've had on your life. Uh, over the years, I've done that to people who have impacted my life. And one of the letters I wrote was to a former employer, the man who gave me my first job. I'd walked into this bicycle shop when I was 15, and I wanted to put a 10-speed on layaway. And the man that owned the store attended our church, Pomona First Baptist. And we got to talking, and he said, well, you know, what are you doing this summer? And I'm like, well, I'm paper route and, you know, some mowing yards and things. He goes, well, how would you like to work for me? And I got a job, and I got some skills, and I learned how to deal with people, and I I learned how to flip a wrench, and I learned how to fix bikes, and this guy did a lot for me, and I thanked him for this in the the letter. Well, about a year ago, I attended a funeral, and it was for the man who had been the youth group leader at our church at Pomona. And my employer that I wrote that letter to, Wes, was there for the funeral, and he didn't recognize me, but I saw him and invited him over to eat, and as we, and you know, we're, it was after funeral lunch, and afterwards, uh, we were sitting there gather, you know, together and sharing uh, some refreshments. And he said, you know, I want to thank you for that letter you wrote. I was the only one who ever worked for him that ever sent him a letter like that. And w- the tears were coming down, and he was having a hard time getting out what it meant that somebody had taken the time to write a letter. And you could do something like that, just purpose to do it. Uh, Maybe making a notebook of God's provisions and you just start writing out how God has blessed you so that when times are lean, you look back at that and you see, yes, God saw us through that time. And yes, God saw us through that event. And yes, God will see us through today and tomorrow and all our tomorrows. And what do you do when times are lean? Well, Paul wrote in everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's difficult when times are lean, but it's when times are like that that usually we are drawn closer to God, more dependent on on God, and when God comes through for us, faith and it makes us stronger in our walk and in our relationship with him. The lepers had a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be cleansed by Jesus, and if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, this might be a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for you to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The writer of Hebrews says, Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. And sometimes when we've heard a message, we've heard the gospel, we understand in our heart what really needs to be done, and we keep putting God off. We keep saying, Tomorrow, I'll do that. I want to think about that a little bit more. What happens is, We start building a wall. Our heart becomes hard. And the next time God is speaking to you, it's going to be harder to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And so just as those lepers had a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as, and, and his cleansing, we have the opportunity today, if, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, to receive him. Jesus Christ gave those lepers a completely new life. And Jesus Christ can come into your life and give you a completely new life. Paul wrote, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And Jesus can do for you on the inside what he did for those lepers on the outside. He can give you a completely new life. Let's pray. If you've never accepted God's mercy and the forgiveness of your sins to deal with that uh, barrier between you and God, Jesus provided the cleansing for you on a cross. And if you would simply say, I realize that I'm a sinner and I need that forgiveness and today I reach out and I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life, he'll come into your life and you can pray that right where you're sitting right now and Jesus will change your life. And those of you who do know Jesus Christ and you've known him as your personal Savior, I hope that uh, the Lord will give you a deeper appreciation for what he's done for you on the cross. And Heavenly Father, as we go from this place, I pray that we would be a more grateful people, that you would help us to develop an attitude of gratitude so that people would see that there's something different about us just as Jesus saw there was something different about the one leper who returned and gave him praise and worship and glory. Help us to be a people who glorify your name by giving you thanks and praise and being more grateful. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. Here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon, or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951-676-2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.com. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org Have a great day in the Lord and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.